Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome back to Round the Cauldron, where we talk theology, philosophy, and everyday life as a modern witch. Follow the show on social media, subscribe to the newsletter, and watch the show live on YouTube. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to help other witches find me. Don't forget, you can help support the show at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron for as little as a dollar a month and get patron-exclusive content. If you're ready to hop into the show, grab some coffee, pull up a seat, and join me round the cauldron. Um, so I want to hop into the topic today um, rather quickly. Uh, today's topic was actually recommended to me. Someone asked me to cover this topic, environmentalism, green living, and um, the horrendous fires that are happening in Australia. So thank you, Tarot Romance, for requesting this topic through Instagram. If you didn't know, you can follow me on social media, send me messages and ask me questions, um, request for topics to be covered. I do take everything into account and I try to answer all questions as quickly and as accurately as I can. So if you have a topic that you want to see covered, send me a message, DM on Instagram, message on Facebook. You can even email me if you want to reach out to me that way. Um, so today we are going to be covering environmentalism and green living. Now you might be asking me, but what does this have to do with paganism and being a witch? So it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with being a witch. In my opinion though, and now keep this in mind, I do not speak for all pagans. I do not speak for all paths. I cannot speak for all traditions. But within my tradition of Irish paganism, Irish spirituality, Celtic spirituality, I am very connected to the world around me and very connected to the spirit and the energy of earth and nature and the energy of the planet, okay? In my opinion, as a pagan for me, it is very important for me to take care of the planet and do my part. Now, I know not all pagans are like this, and that's totally fine. This just happens to be part of my specific belief system. Um, but I do know that there are so many other pagans out there who do care for the environment and who environmentalism and green living is a part of their belief system and their practice. So I thank you again, Tarot Romance, for requesting this topic. It's something that I'm really passionate about and I'm excited to talk about it. But first, we need to talk about Australia. So in the description and in the show notes, there are several links to all of my sources and um, there will be links. They're not there yet, but I will, or they're not there yet for YouTube watchers, um, but I will put all of the links in the description for um, different charities and organizations that are doing what they can to help 
with disaster relief and um, fire relief and animals and people and stuff in Australia. So all of those links will be in the description. YouTube watchers and podcast listeners, they will all be in the show notes as well. So for what's going on in Australia, if you didn't know, Australia is on fire. Like really, really bad fire. Okay. Um, Let me open that up all the way. So some sources, I, I can't find an exact date for when all of these bushfires started in Australia, but I do know that it's been going on for several months. And um, there are two sides to this coin, two sides to the people that are arguing about the fires in Australia. On the one side, you have people that are saying that climate change has nothing to do with the bushfires in Australia and that it's all man-made and you know, the the arsonists started the fire because there were people that were arrested for starting these fires, whether intentionally or not. Um, I don't know if I have that link, but I will find the link for that and I will put it in the description and in the show notes that said, uh, I think 24 people had been arrested. Um, But you've got the people who are saying that climate change has nothing to do with it. And then you have the people that are saying, yes, climate change has everything to do with it. And these fires are caused by climate change. So, I want to give my opinion on this. I am not a climate change denier. I do believe that our climate is changing and that most of it is caused by the human species. But what does this have to do with the fires in Australia? So, some of the sources that I read said Australia's climate is the most susceptible, the most... um, reactive, I guess. No, that's not the right word. They're the most, their climate is the most susceptible susceptible to change due to climate change. And we already know that Australia's summers are typically very dry and very hot, but with climate change, that is becoming worse. It is getting hotter and the climate is getting drier. And that creates the perfect environment for these fires to just explode, okay? And, you know, that's... In in a sense, the fires were man-made, okay? They weren't started by lightning. Nothing spontaneously combusted. They were started by man. They were started by the human species, whether intentionally or not. This could be somebody actually lit a field on fire. It could be that someone flicked a lit cigarette and started a fire. You know, we're not entirely sure at this point because Australia is still burning. But climate change does play a part in why these fires are so large and can become so out of control. And in um, November, I found a source that said that a catastrophic fire danger was issued in November. And it's the first time in the decade that that particular system had been in place that a catastrophic fire warning or fire danger had been issued. Um, So... There's a lot of politics surrounding climate change in Australia right now, 
I am not from Australia. I don't know anything about the politics in Australia. I have read that the people in power in Australia are climate change deniers, but again, don't quote me on that. I, I don't have anything really to back that up because I'm not from Australia. I don't live there. I don't get their news information on a regular basis. So, um, that is only hearsay. Okay. But I have a quote here from one of my sources in the description and in the show notes that says about 10 million acres have burned in New South Wales, destroying nearly a thousand homes. Around 90 fires are currently raging in the state with about three dozen more to the south in Victoria. In, in total, roughly 12 million acres have been burned by the fires. By comparison, about 1.9 million acres burned in the 2018 fires in California. Those fires, which were the state's most destructive, killed about 100 people. And then, according to the United Nations Association of Australia, Australia is one of the few places severely affected by climate change due to the nature of their long, hot, and dry summers. So, as far as the effect that these fires are having on humanity, um, I know at least 20 people have died due to these fires, and there is an estimated... 500 million plus animals and wildlife that have been affected. Um, obviously, that's an estimation, but according to sources, that is a uh, an estimate on the lower end of things, and that they they estimate that by the time the fires are over and when they can get the fires put out, that number is going to significantly climb because of the fires and the dangers. Now, this isn't to mention the fact that the smoke and the ash from these fires is clouding the skies in Australia and making the air quality horrific. And smoke has been traveling away from Australia to other places. So these fires are huge. They're very large and they are affecting a large number of people. And in my opinion, this can be prevented. Now, obviously, it can be prevented by people not starting fires and actually following the laws and not flicking their cigarettes, you know, out the window as they're driving down the highway. But we can prevent this culmination of the perfect environment for these fires to flourish. And that happens through science and education and doing what we can to protect the environment and reduce the greenhouse gas effect and make the environment better so that we can stave off climate change so that it doesn't get worse. Okay, so how can you help the people in Australia? You can, again, if you can, donate to one of the organizations that are going to be listed in the description and in the show notes. Spread the word. Um, let people know that this is happening. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know that Australia was on fire until a couple of weeks ago. And Australia has been on fire for months. Now, I'm in the United States and it's a completely separate topic, but for the United States being as like worldly as they are, we don't know anything about the world around us because we're not told. You know, we have to go searching for that information on our own. 
And I find a lot of this information through social media like Twitter and Facebook and places where these, um, you know, we can come together as, as a planet and share information. So, um, yeah, spread the word, do your research on climate change, on the um, environmental impact of the things that you're doing. And if you can donate monetar monetarily to help Australia out, if you can't just spread the word, put these links out there for people that can help or that do want to help in one way or another. So, <sighs> Mia, calm down here for a second. So, as a witch, as a pagan, or no, as a witch, how can you help? So, I know not everybody watching this is going to practice witchcraft. I know a lot of the people that do watch this do practice witchcraft or they're just pagans in general. But as a witch, if you want to help, what are some specific things that you can do? I have a couple of um, ideas written down here in my notes. The first one is to practice some form of weather magic. Now, that's up to you if that's something that you want to do. I personally don't like to mess with the weather. And I know if you're part of any social media groups or um, pagan Twitter or anything like that, you'll know that there are a bunch of other witches out there who are doing what they can to try to affect the weather to make the environment better for those fighting the fires on the ground. However, you got to be careful with weather magic because I read that Australia is also prone to flooding. So if you're trying to bring rain and you're doing it and then 50 other people over here are doing it too, you know, it could have a catastrophic effect. Um, but if you are confident in your weather magic abilities, by all means, pray for rain. <laughs> um, something else that you can do is protection magic. Magic and spells to help protect the wildlife, to help protect the people, and to help protect Australia Australia as a whole, okay? That is one of the easier things that you can do, um, you know, if you have any sort of rituals or spells or particular beliefs about how to cast protection magic, I do recommend doing that to the best of your abilities and encompass the entirety of Australia, all of the people, the wildlife, the climate, the land, the spirits, everything in Australia. If you can do the protection magic, I highly recommend it. Something else that you can do is if you, um, if your particular tradition has anything to do with any deities or gods and goddesses, maybe ask them for their guidance and their help too. Um, you know, ask for their help protecting those involved and maybe to help the, um, the people on the ground fighting the fires, give them the strength and the courage to face these fires head on and do all they can to help put the fires out because that is a dangerous job. And I have much respect for those people that are down there trying to put out those fires because I couldn't do it. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. So if you work with deities, ask for their help, ask for their assistance, ask them to lend you 
the power and the guidance to do what you can to help the people involved. Uh, my last idea that I have written down here is perform spells for truth. Now, move here. In performing spells for truth, what I mean by that is to encourage those in power and those involved in any of the decision making for the country to see the science and see the truth and the fact of what's going on with climate change and how climate change is affecting the country and the world. You know, it's not necessarily a spell for them to tell the truth. I mean, maybe they do need to tell the truth. Maybe they're lying to themselves. But to, for them to see the truth and to see how their actions are affecting the people that they govern. Now, I don't have any particular spells off the top of my head. I don't have any links for spells. I do always recommend writing your own spells. And those are just some basic ideas um, to really get you started in helping Australia to the best of your abilities. So, on a smaller scale, there are things that you can do that might have a small impact when it's only you doing it, but it is important in the grand scheme of things. So, I want to talk about green living. Green living is the idea of living your life as environmentally friendly as you possibly can. And I want to preface this with saying that not everyone is going to be able to do all of the things that I say here. Some of it's not going to be possible for everyone uh, and that's okay. I, I never want anyone to feel bad for not being able to do any of the things that I say here. Okay, that's not my intention and, and the best example of this is the issue with using straws in public. Okay, there are some uh, conditions, some physical conditions that do not allow people to drink out of a glass or out of a cup and they depend on the use of a straw. Now maybe they have a reusable straw and they just forgot it. So that there are some people out there who physically cannot do these things and that's okay. But um, the main idea behind green living is being conscious of the choices that you make and how they can affect the world around you and um, and that means like locally as well as globally. And for me, sometimes it can be very daunting. It can be very challenging to think like, you know, I got this cup at Walmart several years ago, um, but you know, where did it, where did it come from? And what process did it have to go through to get to me, okay? So, green living means being conscious of your choices, being conscious of your emissions, your carbon footprint. It means buying local food when you can or buying anything local when you can because that does reduce the environmental impact on, you know, with, um, freight and how did those food products get to you, you know? And green living also means that 
you need to reduce your consumption and your waste and you need to reuse things that no longer serve their original purpose. You need to recycle the things that you no longer use. Um, and I have a quote here from an article and this is Starhawk speaking. The article is called Climate Change, A Moral Imperative to Act. She says, climate change calls us to become humble, a virtue most religions preach and a word which has the same roots as hummus. Hummus? Humus? I don't know. I just completely screwed that up. Um, we, we must literally return to earth, let go of our hubris and pride, and begin to honor and respect those things that sustain our lives. When we do, when we work within nature and take natural systems as our teacher and model, we also find strong allies in some of the most humble creatures. To heal toxic soil, to restore fertility, to break down pathogens, bacteria and fungi are powerful helpers. The sun, the wind, falling water and moving tides can generate energy. Nature gives us all that we need and more to provide lives of abundance, balance and beauty for all. But she does not give us enough to waste or to satisfy endless greed or addictive need. So my screw up aside <laughs> with that word there, um, I, I agree and I feel like faith aside, religion aside, we can't continue on this path that we're going down as a species. We are using all of our resources and these resources don't last forever, you know? Something's got to give eventually and what's going to happen is the earth is going to fight back. The earth has a natural system for sustaining homeostasis. So homeostasis is typically a word used when um, speaking about sickness in your body. So when your body is in homeostasis, you're healthy, you don't have a fever, you know, your temperature's just right, everything in your body is just right, and it's balanced. So the earth and the ecosystem of our planet has a system for remaining in homeostasis. And eventually, something's going to have to give and that system is going to kick in. And the body of the planet is going to do what it needs to do to get rid of what is causing the planet to go out of homeostasis. Do you know what that is? Because I do. It's people. The human race has taken advantage of our planet, has used the resources as much as possible, and the human race has no regard for the planet being here for our children's children, okay? And a lot of this, in my opinion, boils down to corporate greed and the need to just have more and more and bigger and just everything has to be bigger and better, right? We need to move away from that mindset. And I know I've talked about this before, is something I'm working on in my depth year, move out of that mindset of consumerism and capitalism and out of the idea and the thought that you just need to have everything, okay? And we need to move towards being more balanced to only having what we need 
and you know there there are circumstances where you can get something that you want you know we're we're social creatures and we have hobbies and we have things like that but what often happens is we get in this frame of mind where we have to be on trend with everything and we are so scatterbrained as a species that we end up we go and we get this thing because it seems really awesome and we want to try it out and then a month or two later you give up on it because either you don't like it like you thought you would or you got bored of it or you just bought it because it was on trend that's a problem and I really encourage all of you to think about the things that you buy before you buy them and think about where they come from what they're made of who made it you know where where on this planet was that thing produced and what did it go through to get to you so I want to talk about too some of the things that science says about climate change and environmentalism Okay, so uh, most of these quotes are from NASA. I do have some here from the IPCC, which is the um, oh International Panel of Climate. Oh, what is it? International. It's a summary for policymakers. I know that um, about climate, and that's also going to be linked in the description and in the show notes. But the quotes that I have here, so some of them are from NASA. They say, scientists attribute the global warming trend observed since the mid-20th century to the human expansion of the greenhouse effect, warming that results when the atmosphere traps heat radiating from Earth towards space. On Earth, human activities are changing the natural greenhouse. Over the last century, the burning of fossil fuels like coal and oil has increased the concentration of atmospheric carbon dioxide. This happens because the coal or oil burning process combines carbon with oxygen in the air to make carbon dioxide. To a lesser extent, the clearing of land for agriculture, industry, and other human activities has increased concentrations of greenhouse gases. Now, according to the IPCC, and this is on page 8, which will be linked in the description and, the, and in the show notes, Carbon dioxide emissions from fossil fuel combustion and industrial processes contributed about 78% of the total GHG, greenhouse gas, emission increase from 1970 to 2010, with a similar percentage contribution for the period 2000 to 2010. That's a lot. Uh, fossil fuel burning and industrial processes contributed 78% of the total greenhouse gases. That's a lot. Um, and then in its fifth assessment report, the, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, a group of 1,300 independent scientific experts from countries all over the world under the auspices of the United Nations, concluded there's a more than 95% probability that human activities over the past 50 years have warmed our planet. 95% possibility that we are the cause of what's going on, okay? That's a problem. That's a problem. And then 
Um, Australian scientists estimate using trash collected on U.S. coastlines during cleanups over five years that there are nearly seven and a half million plastic straws lying around America's shorelines. They figure that means 437 million to 8.3 billion plastic straws are on the entire world's coastlines. What can we do about it? Keep in mind, like I said previously, not all of these things can be done by everyone and that's okay. At this point, what matters is gaining knowledge about the environmental impact of our decisions and doing what we can to reduce our environmental impact. So one of the things that I am trying to join in my area, it's taking a little longer than I wanted to, which I don't understand, but it's called the Buy Nothing Project. And it's a great way to reuse and recycle your stuff for free. So I'm gonna read you this little snippet. This came off of their website and I have them linked in the description and in the show notes. But the Buy Nothing Project says, local groups form gift economies that are complementary and parallel to local cash economies. Whether people join because they'd like to quickly get rid of things that are cluttering their lives or simply to save money by getting things for free, they quickly discover that our groups are not just another free recycling platform. So with the Buy Nothing Project, essentially, what I found is there are groups on Facebook and you join the group and then you essentially exchange things. Like if you have something you want to get rid of, you post it here and say, hey, I have this thing that I'm no longer using, it no, long, no longer serves me, I would like to get rid of it, does anyone want it? And then if somebody wants it, they say, hey, yes, I want it, can I pick it up, or do you deliver, whatever. And then on the opposite end of that, if you are searching for something, maybe you want, like a French press, a French press, coffee is on my brain right now. Maybe you want a French press and you see somebody that is giving away their French press because they don't use it anymore then you say, hey, I would like that French press from you. And then you go get the French press. So it's like trading, getting rid of the things that you no longer need and giving them to giving them to someone who can find value in them. Now, if you don't have a Buy Nothing project in your area because they aren't everywhere, um, then go along the lines of um, yard sales and thrift shopping. Do those things first instead of buying new because when you buy new you are creating more waste and you are letting those companies know you're voting with your dollar that you don't care that not that you don't care um that you're voting with your dollar in the sense that you are going and you are spending money to buy something new and it doesn't matter to you necessarily if the product is is used. That's really confusing. Um, You're creating more waste when you buy new. Instead, you can get the same type of product from a thrift store for less money and then it's something that's already out there in the environment that's already gone through the process of packaging and shipment. Normally, I have found in my experience that um, things that are in thrift stores tend to stay local to the area, so no shipping has to occur, and it goes back into the same community. So that is an effective way to reduce your waste, reuse objects, and recycle things when you no longer need them anymore. Um, 
one of the easiest things that you can do is to be more aware and mindful of your impact on your community and the world at large. This can require some research if you don't have a lot of knowledge around this topic. However, the information is out there and most of it is not behind a paywall. It is freely accessible to the general public, which is amazing. Now, some of it is very scientific and very scholarly. Some of it I can't even understand because of the way it's written. But the information is out there. And you need to do your research to be as honest with yourself as possible. And I'll give you an example. So my dad and I were recently talking and I am a big proponent of reusable shopping bags, okay? And he made the comment that it has been proven that the reusable bags can be worse for the environment. And now in my head, I'm like, well, immediately, that doesn't make sense to me because plastic goes to the landfill, takes up to a thousand years, or it can take up to a thousand years to decompose. How can the plastic bag have a lower environmental impact than a reusable bag? But if you think about the entirety of the environmental impact, and I'll link to the, the article and the study that I found because he's not wrong. Um, what they found is that the environmental impact um, for single use, if you were to just use both things one time, the environmental impact of the plastic bag was lower than the environmental impact of the reusable bag. And the um, material that that reusable bag was made from the better quality, I would say, so like regular cotton versus organic cotton, the better quality or the more organic the materials are, the higher the environmental impact for a single use. So what this means is, sorry, I'm talking a lot with my hands. What this means is that if you buy cheaply made, cheaply produced reusable bags, they have the potential to have a higher environmental impact than a single-use plastic bag. And this is due to the production costs, the shipping costs, manufacturing, all of that. If you were to take into account the entire process for creating each different kind of bag, just to use it one time, the plastic bag has a lower environmental impact. But they did find that based on uses over and over and over again, that the reusable bag does end up um, having a lower environmental impact the more you use it. However, one study that they found, or one study that they did found that you had to use that one reusable bag, like, I don't know, up to a thousand times for it to, for the pros to outweigh the cons. I'm, it's, it's hard to explain but I will link that in the description and in the show notes. And this is why I want you to be aware of your environmental impact because it might be more beneficial to have that single-use bag and to use it over and over again, depending on what it's made from and where it comes from, versus a plastic bag. But on the flip side of that, depending on where you are and your options, the plastic bag might be 
more environmentally friendly, which is counterintuitive. But this is why it's important to do the research and be aware of your impact and the way that things are made. Because, you know, those reusable bags at Walmart that they sell for 99 cents, those are cheaply made, very cheaply made. And you buy one for a dollar and you use it a couple of times before it rips. Guess what? That has not met the threshold for breaking even of its environmental impact. And that's not good. So if you're going to buy reusable bags, I recommend buying them either from someone who makes them locally, who sources their materials as local as possible, um, and who makes them from quality materials that the bags aren't going to rip. So for example, I make them, I crochet them, I um, have produce bags available right now that I'm making. Um, and if you crochet yourself, the pattern is available on my website for free, by the way, so you can make your own. I'm also in the process of making my own pattern for larger reusable grocery bags out of cotton yarn. The cotton yarn that I use is manufactured in Canada. So yes, it does have some environmental impact um, in regards of the creation and the shipping of the yarn to get to me. However, crocheted bags don't have any seams. Not typically, not the way that I make them. There are no seams, so there is nowhere for that to, to rip apart and to come apart. So it's made in a continuous round, a continuous either circle or whatever the shape is. So the quality of these crocheted items are better than the 99 cent bags that you can buy at Walmart. So be aware of the manufacturing process as much as you can and where your items are coming from. Um, something else that you can do depending on your location is to uh, start a garden. If you have an area where you can grow your own food, that is amazing. Now, you don't have to have a huge area in order to grow food. There are many things that you can grow indoors if you don't even have a backyard. Now, I have um, several planters, but there's currently snow on the ground here where I am, and I am not actively growing anything in my garden because everything is frozen. But see what you can grow indoors, see what grows well in your area, and it's a good way to not have to go buy all of your food and it really connects you to the land and the energy of the land and the spirits of the land in your area when you can grow your own food and it's more rewarding and it has less of an environmental impact than going to the grocery store and buying all of your produce after it has been shipped all over the world. Uh, something else, um, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. As a kid, I was told reduce, reuse, recycle. The, these are the three R's and they are typically taught to children. They are taught as like the only thing that you need to do to be environmentally friendly, and I disagree. It's a good starting point, and they're good practices to have, you know, reduce your waste, reuse items that can be reused, recycle the things that no longer serve you or that can no longer be used. But I would use that as a jumping point for if you are wanting to become more eco-friendly 
and do what you can for the environment. Start with the three R's and grow from there. Uh, something else you can do if you have this capability is to walk instead of drive. Now, again, like I said, not everyone can do this and that's okay. Um, so right now outside, it's like 20 something degrees where I live, Fahrenheit. Um, if it were to rain, it would snow. So it's cold. And I live about five miles, five, six miles from the closest average grocery store from the, from Walmart. I live about six miles from Walmart. Okay. And it's not flat land. It's hills and valleys and windy roads and there, there's no sidewalks because it's a highway. So if I'm going to go to the store, I have to drive because I can't walk those five miles uphill, downhill, whatever, no sidewalks. It's not safe. Okay. But if I have the option to walk somewhere instead of drive, then I will. Because walking is good for you, for one, if you have the ability to walk. Um, and for two, it then reduces the emissions that are put into the air from a fuel, a vehicle that runs on fuel. If you have an electric vehicle, I would still suggest walking instead of driving because when you have to charge your car, you are using excess energy, but totally at your discretion. If you don't want to walk, maybe you have a bike. Um, if you don't have either of those capabilities, then you have another option available to you as public transport. You know, when more people use the same thing for transportation, it cuts down on the emissions from the single vehicles that would normally be on the road. And it makes the air quality better and it, it cuts down on those emissions. So if you have that capability, then I would definitely take advantage of it. Um, now... One of the last things that I, that I just, is the most important is do your research. You can't let, you can't let your own bias get in the way because I'll be the first to admit to you when my dad made the comment that the reusable bags are, but are uh, worse for the environment than plastic. I was irritated. I was, how can that be possible? You know, you're, you're wrong. Okay. But I did my research and he's not wrong in a sense, but you have to take everything into account. So if with the plastic bag situation, if you are only using your reusable bag once, then yes, the plastic bag has a lower impact. And depending on where you get your reusable bag, the environmental impact will take forever to balance out. However, the example, that's the example that I'm using to let you know that you have to do your research and you have to be unbiased about it. You have to be willing to change your opinion and your views based on the research and the evidence that is presented to you. You can't go into this completely, you know, with your mind completely made up because the evidence changes. We have new data that comes out on a regular basis. Things are always changing. So you have to have an open mind when it comes to that. And I think it's really important that you do your research and ask the hard questions. And 
if possible, go to the people who have firsthand knowledge. You know, that's why I linked the IPCC in the description and the show notes, because it is a report that is written by the scientific leaders in our communities involving climate change. I know not everyone is going to be able to make sense of the report because I can't make sense of the entire report, but I'm also not a scientist. Climate change is not my specialty. It is their specialty. And we need to listen to the scientists and listen to the evidence and the facts that are presented with an open mind. So, you know, we only have one planet. Okay. One planet. I know people are saying, but we're going to live on Mars. Why are we going to move to another planet when we can't even take care of the one we've got? And a lot of people, what I'm presented with is some people saying one person doing it is not going to change anything. And they're right. You know, if one person and only one person was taking these steps to be more eco-friendly and do what they can for the environment, one person out of billions is not going to have an impact. However, it's not just one person. And one person leads to two people, leads to 10 people, leads to hundreds, to thousands, to millions. We have to not be afraid to put our opinions out there and our voices and present the opposing side with facts and evidence. One person doing what they can might not change anything, but other people seeing that one person take care of the planet and take care of the environment and do what they can to make the world a better place, that has an impact. So if you're the only person in your community who is taking steps to be eco-friendly, let it be seen. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't fear judgment because no one else is going to know unless they see it happening. And this happens in my house. I live with my boyfriend, my daughter, and my parents. We all, we share a house and um, we're a little community here. I am the only person in my home who advocates for these things. And when I do, I present evidence and fact-based information. Now, since I'm a community, part of this little community here that I call my home, sometimes I lose. Sometimes my opinion or my voice isn't enough to sway the other adults in the household to make a change. But sometimes it does. We no longer use paper plates. We no longer buy plastic water bottles. We no longer use plastic bags. We have reusable bags. And those little things add up. Because of one voice, there are now three other adults in the world who are actively participating in eco-friendly and green living practices. That's all it takes. So don't think that you're too small to make an impact. Don't think that you're too small to make a difference. And I will leave you 
with a quote the way my favorite eco-friendly zero-waste YouTuber ends her videos. I will leave her link in the description and in the show notes. You cannot do all the good that the world needs, but the world, but the world needs all the good that you can do. Thanks everybody for being here. Check out all of the links in the description and in the show notes. Check out Shelby's channel because I learned so much from her. Um, and I will talk at you guys next time. Bye.